With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, hello everybody and welcome. You are listening to Inside the Glass on KAMP Camp Sports Radio, the original hockey podcast of Southern Arizona. I am your host, Rob Leonio. Alongside, as always, is Eric Clark. And today we have a special recording date. This is Tuesday, February 26th, a.k.a. the day after the NHL trade deadline. It was quite the day, Eric. Lots of really big moves around the league. Uh, what do you think of this trade deadline? Is it uh, is it more? Is it better? Is it worse than other ones? It was. I thought it was extremely active. I think we saw a lot more movement than we normally do. Um, I th- and I think that we really saw a lot of commitment from teams in terms of a lot of teams committing to full rebuilds and a lot of teams committing to going all in and trying to go all out and acquiring a bunch of assets. Um, you don't see that in the pat in the past. You would often see teams that were kind of stuck in the middle that would make these inconsequential moves if they were like a bubble playoff team or something. But um, this year there really wasn't there really weren't too many in betweeners except for say like the Buffalo Sabers trade with uh, Anaheim because that's a move that was a deadline acquisition to make Buffalo good now. Um, getting Brandon Montour to shore up that defense a little bit, but. Um, at the same time, it's also more of a long-term move because Brandon Montour is a younger guy. He's only 24 years old uh, and is a good defenseman that can grow with that team going forward because the Sabres aren't contenders by any stretch of the imagination. More likely than not, they're going to miss the playoffs. They still could make it, but given how well uh, Carolina has played and given the pedigree of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't see them passing either of those teams, which are the two that are ahead of them. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, it's it's interesting, you know, in terms of the, how active this trade deadline was, because I would see, you know, a well-established name that I would, you know, at least in my mind, I would associate with that team, and I see, oh, they got shipped over to a different team. That's that's interesting. Well, like, um, look at the Wayne Simmons trade uh, to there, Nashville, because, I mean, Wayne Simmons was really a part of that identity for the Philadelphia Flyers. And um, he was one of those guys that it's really hard for you to imagine him playing in a different uniform than the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. But that was obviously one of the bigger trades of the deadline, which we'll definitely get into. Oh, absolutely. I, um, yeah, when I saw that one, I was, I was like, whoa, I did not see that coming. But I, do st- I, I did. I did well, they were talking about Wayne Simmons being in play yeah. in that potential trade between the Edmonton Oilers and the Philadelphia Flyers. Obviously, yeah. that didn't happen. People, I, people knew he was going to be on the move, but like, I kind of like still in my head when I first saw that, I was it still caught me off guard because again, as you said, he is like part of the identity of the Philadelphia Flyers. Right. But, um, I, you know, speaking of which, though, I do actually think I do consider if we're gonna, um the uh, Predators is one of those guys that went all in. They really took advantage of this trade deadline. I thought they did a pretty good job. Oh, I thought that they were definitely one of the better, more active teams in the trade deadline. I mean, given where guys like Pecorine are at in their career right now, um, it makes a lot of sense for David Poley to have that all-in mentality, especially considering the talent he has elsewhere in his lineup. 
Um, again, guys like uh, like Wayne Simmons, guys like uh, what's his name Boyle. Give me. I'm just gonna filter out the Nashville Predators here on Cat Friendly. Got, uh, they got Brian, Brian Boyle. Boyle. Brian Boyle yeah. I was drawing a blank on his first name. Um, obviously, yeah, those are two guys that you know. Well, Boyle's more of a secondary guy. He's more of a depth uh, centerman, but a very good one. One of the best in the league at that. Absolutely. Um, like we were saying a couple of weeks ago, he's a guy that makes the Predators much tougher to play against. And then Wayne Simmons is one of the premier uh, power forwards in the league today. So there's a, a lot to like about the moves that Nashville made this year. Um, yeah, that's that's just my general thoughts. What do you think about uh, Nashville? Yeah, I, I like what Nashville did because again, they're they're one of the uh, teams, one of the couple teams on uh, my list of teams who I believe are literally going all in, trying to push for that Cup final, um, and or for, oh yeah, for that Cup run. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see because the Western Conference is getting even more and more stacked as we uh, like uh, through this trade deadline. I think most of the, most of the teams that benefited are Western Conference teams, um, with the exception of you know a couple teams like Columbus. Um, but it was it, it was quite. Well, I think that Ottawa was the big winner of the trade deadline. Uh, Rob and I were talking about that before the show. A lot of people are going to focus on who made the big deals and who acquired all the players when they're saying, you know, who won and who lost the trade deadline. But in the sense of a rebuilding team, in in the sense of fitting the needs of that organization right now, I think that Ottawa did a better job than anybody. Absolutely. Just because they, let's see how many first round draft picks, how many second round draft picks they acquired. I mean, I know they shipped out Dezingle. I know they shipped out Duchesne. And obviously Mark Stone yesterday, that was the uh, huge deal of uh, yesterday afternoon. But um, that was that's literally minutes before the deadline. Yeah, minutes before the deadline. And let's go over to Ottawa. Let's just get a list of some of the stuff that they did. So in terms of draft picks, yeah, um, so they got a 2020 second round draft pick as well as a uh, 2019 or – a 2020 second round also, 2021 second round, a 2019 conditional first round, a 2020 conditional first round, and those that's it for the draft picks. Um, yeah, uh, in the conditions for that in the Duchesne deal is that if the pick is top three for the Columbus Blue Jackets, you know, in the event that they miss the playoffs and somehow miraculously – uh, score big in the draft lottery, Columbus will instead send their 2020 first rounder to uh, Ottawa, which, I mean, that's a pretty reasonable condition. I don't think we really foresee that it's, happening. They given don't, They don't want to make the same, same mistake that they made with Colorado. That's, you know, non-lottery protected. So, like, it's just... Well, Columbus, Columbus doesn't want to make the mistake that yeah, Ottawa did. Yeah. Well, no, Ottawa's was actually lottery protected. They, they chose to keep the uh, pick that they used to select Brady Kachuk because they they didn't really want to bet against themselves to be a really bad team next but, year. But here's, I mean, this year. I mean, here's the, what, what I think. What the funny thing is, obviously, we're kind of I'm kind of deviating a little bit, and it's going to be a really really quick uh, quick bit on this. But you know, Ottawa, you know, prob, you know, very well could finish last in the league and have the highest odds of get of you know getting that first pick. Essentially, well, they look like the odds-on favorites at this point after shipping out to, three of their to best try to players. Get Jack Hughes, but the thing is, that pick belongs to Colorado. Yeah, 
Well, so. people have been talking about that since before the season began, the uh, possibility of Ottawa potentially shipping out a uh, first overall pick because of the conditions on that Duchesne trade um, from not that long ago. But um, it's... It's it, it's but no, they but, still did well to rectify a pretty difficult situation. I would say in the moves that they made at this trade deadline, um, I still got to feel bad for Peter Dorian for always getting a lot of crap from fans. And like it's not like he's doing his best yeah. with a difficult situation. And then the biggest the move that I actually liked the best for Ottawa was uh, Ryan Dezingle. Yes, getting sent to Columbus. I. When I was at the Roadrunners game when this was initially announced and uh, Brett Farah and I were talking about it and we were both saying that the type of return that they got for Ryan Dezingle is what we would have expected in, say, a Mark Stone trade, or at least the price was a little bit closer to what we would have expected in a Mark Stone trade, not a Ryan Dezingle trade. Because, I mean, two second-round picks is a lot to give up, plus a pretty decent roster player in Anthony Duclair um, for a guy like Ryan Dezingle. I loved every part of that trade. Let's talk about Vegas. That's a good segue to start talking about Vegas because we were uh, going into that a bit before the show. Yeah, I am not a fan of this trade for Vegas' standpoint. Obviously, Mark Stone is a fantastic hockey player, um, and he's a great person to build a team around. However, jumping the gun that fast, you know, you know, you make you make that big trade to get to win what they call you know, the Mark Stone sweepstakes. And immediately signing him to an eight-year contract with, I, I think it's about nine to nine point two five million dollars a year. Well, it won't be formalized until Friday because you're not allowed. The contract extension period doesn't start until then for uh, Mark Stone for whatever reason. There must be some sort of rules on acquiring players and then signing them to contract extensions. But that is what is rumored. But yeah, but that's what it's very likely going to be. And I, I got that. I heard about that, and I'm like. Wow, Vegas, you are you're really gambling here. Well, I'll tell you. Okay, well, actually, no, they're saying. Oh, okay, yeah, that's for the 2019 season. I thought that they already were showing the uh, extension that Mark Stone uh, will imminently sign, but they are not uncap friendly. But I'll tell you the big problem with Vegas is that that cup run that they made last year, I think it was almost the best and the worst thing to happen to that organization. Because you have to remember that they are still a expansion team that is starting from scratch. They drafted a bunch of guys off of other teams that were not protected, and they haven't had decades and decades to build a prospect pool. So they've already depleted their prospect pool in the deals that sent um, that sent – or got Max Pacioretty back to Vegas and then got Mark Stone over to Vegas. They sent away Nick Suzuki, which was their highest draft pick in the uh, 2017 draft. And then now they also sent away Eric Brandstrom, which was also another first-round pick that they had from the uh, 2017 NHL entry draft. So basically they shipped out two of their top prospects in their organization to get older, more veteran guys to win now, which doesn't bode well for a team that doesn't have that prospect pool. It yeah. just it just doesn't, and yet you have to have a well established program like something like that. Obviously, well, you need to replenish your ranks from within. That's the NHL today is all about drafting and developing. And I think, and I think that's why uh, you know San Jose is being considered a winner in in uh, this draft, this trade deadline because uh, they have a prospect pool and it's looking pretty strong. Not to mention, look what they have now. Well, absolutely, but just one more thing on Vegas, I'd like to mention. 
uh, is the Thomas Tatar deal at last year's trade deadline. In that deal, Vegas uh, sent their uh, 2018 first-round pick to Detroit, which became Joe Valeno, who's one of the top prospects in the Detroit Red Wings prospect pool right now. He's tearing up the QMJHL this year and is projected to at least contend for a roster spot next year in Detroit. Yep. And then they also sent away a second-round pick and a third-round pick in that same deal over to Detroit. So those are three top-end draft picks that they sent away. They didn't outright send away prospects, but they sent away those draft picks too, not to mention the second-rounder that they sent away in the Mark Stone deal. Yeah, it's it's uh, Vegas, again, they're really gambling on the fact that they want to win. Uh, and it, it, if you're in for an expansion franchise, as I said, it's too early, way too early to do that. And they've um, dropped off really quick, as Rob and I were talking yeah, about before the show. Uh, yeah, uh, early, at, at, at the turn of the new year, Vegas, Calgary, and San Jose were they were runaways for the Pacific Division. They were just going and going and going. And now it's just Calgary and San Jose. They're now 20 points ahead. And the uh, Vegas is just stagnated. And now Arizona's come close to catching well, up to them. Well, a big factor in that drop-off for Vegas has been the declining play of Marc-Andre Fleury. He hasn't been the Vezina Trophy caliber goaltender that he was last season for Vegas in that expansion year. And, and that really begs the question, where does this go for Vegas? Because if Vegas doesn't win a cup now, um, all of this will be seen as a failure in the future. And you and I, I think, would be both in agreement in saying that Vegas is not a top contender for the cup this year. Yeah. As the can... third seed in the Pacific Division, they will not climb any higher. And as Rob just mentioned, there's actually a slight chance Arizona could even pass them, which many people would have thought unthinkable especially, just a couple months ago. Especially with you know all the injuries Arizona has, too. Well, Dvorak's more... making his season debut tonight. Yeah. Um, like... Good for him, by the way. Anyways, but yeah, um, where does this go for Vegas? Because you know how temperamental of a sport hockey is, especially when you're dealing with veteran guys. Right. What, would ha- what happens when Marc-Andre Fleury's play starts declining? What happens when, Mark's, when uh, Paul Statsny starts not playing as well. What happens when Max Pacioretty doesn't start playing well? And what if, God forbid, Mark Stone isn't the player that they thought he was when they signed it, when they uh, it, offered him that eight-year extension? It creates a lot of problems. What you're going to have is a team that is right up against the cap, overpaying a bunch of old players with a, deple- with a depleted prospect pool, incapable of replacing any of those roster guys. So Vegas could be just an absolute train wreck of an organization three, four years down the road. You just don't know. I mean, is Malcolm Subin going to be Vegas's goalie of the future, really? Because, I mean, you have to think about it. Marc-Andre Fleury's not young. Not. He's 34, I think. It's Sounds not. about right. Sounds about Let's right. See. Uh, but anyways, yeah, you can start going into San Jose if you would like. Uh yeah, Talk about the Nyquist trade and all yeah, that. Yeah, let's give one moment here just to double check. Yeah, uh, Fleury's 34. Yeah, he's 34. That's right. But, but yeah, I mean, obviously, before before we go to San Jose, I just want you know make, make some quick closing on Vegas. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, as we as you just said, they're, the, they're going to be in a really tough situation when that happens. Obviously, you know, it's all, that's all speculative if, like, you know, when if these players don't have the kind of things. But the thing is you have to prepare for that. You had to prepare for something like that to happen. Obviously, it could be catastrophic. It's easily foreseeable that it could see, become that way. Like you see superstars move, and then they become not what they expected. I'll use a free agent signing as an example with uh, Ilya Kovalchuk in, in in Los Angeles. Look how much of a disaster that ended up being. 
I'm he won, and they were pretend, made an old team older. They were gonna put him on a. They were gonna probably put, try to see if they could shop him, but no one wanted him. Like, it's 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 just it's just amazing how you know they can make a mistake like that. It was like I said, with an expansion franchise, you don't want to have that win now mentality. You want to build a team. You want to make sure it's you can get an established prospect pool, an established uh, team before you can really start. But that's the huge problem with Vegas: the early success that they had, the unprecedented success. Yeah, it put it in their head that oh, hey, we're not a real expansion team. We don't have to follow the rules. You know what? We don't need to build up our prospect pool. We're just going to go all in with this group that we have now, and. Now, front office, the front office's expectations are totally different. Coaches' expectations are totally different, and the fan base's expectations are totally different um, from what they should be for a team that is still in its second year. I think that um, I, I wouldn't call it reckless, but it's just it's really tricky yeah. for all the reasons I just pointed out. Yeah. And like I said, in the in the way to segue into San Jose is look at the way that they built their team. Look at their prospect pool. Look at the San Jose Barracuda. And now look at the fact that Doug Wilson has, tru- has opted to go all in for this cup run with the team that he has and went out to ship a couple draft picks to Detroit to get Gus Nyquist. And to and Gus Nyquist, as great of a player he is, he's going to be sitting on San Jose's third line along alongside Joe Thornton and Kevin LeBanc Look at that top nine forward group. I mean, and Nyquist is a former two-time 20-goal scorer. I believe his career high was somewhere in the neighborhood of 28. He um, has 45 points in the season. Right. He's a, he's a great, like and he's evolved over the course of his career into a great pass-first type of winger. Um, and if anyone in San Jose's top six group struggles or gets hurt at any point in the postseason – um, Gustav Nyquist is easily the type of guy that you can eat, slot into that top six group, just making them and, that much more of a threat in a cup run. And people were saying that, like, yeah, put him on the third line for now. You know, put him alongside Joe, Joe Thornton and see how he works. But if he needs to, he can easily replace Donskoy on that second line. And You know who I actually really want to give a lot of praise to, speaking of the Pacific Division? is uh, Calgary for not going all in with the group that, they're have, that they have right now. I'm glad yeah. that they didn't jump the gun. Yeah, absolutely. They 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 should they should have been happy with what they got, and they are, and it, and it makes sense. They got they're gonna have a go at it with the group that they have right now. They weren't gonna go out and try to get a Mark Stone or anyone like that because they recognize that even though they are really high in the standings, they're not necessarily in the same position that a San Jose, a Nashville, or a Winnipeg is. Absolutely. And speaking of, we should talk about those three teams too in the context of San Jose because I think that. You wouldn't get too many people disagreeing with you around the league if you said that San Jose, Nashville, and Winnipeg are the class of the West and the three best teams by far. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In that, in the whole conference. I mean, Nashville got a whole lot better Ooh, on the yeah. trade deadline. They got Winnipeg it. made a pretty good move getting Kevin Hayes to center that second line. They didn't really need as much improvement as Nashville did, though. And yeah. neither did San Jose. San Jose's biggest move was getting Gus Nyquist, and that's okay. They that already just, had a really good yeah, team. That just increases their depth even more. And people were wondering, like, is this the deepest Sharks team that we've ever seen? To me, I, I did, like, in my, at least in my memory, it, it's, well, it's pretty up there. There is a uh, lot of pressure right now. Oh, I'll absolutely. tell you that. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be completely wild um, to see how they perform, obviously. What's interesting, though, is – um, obviously, it kind of made sense that the Sharks ended up getting Nyquist. Obviously, we were talking about it earlier, the fact that 
uh, Nyquist had a full node trade clause. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, he got to choose where he wanted to go, and he said he wanted to go to San Jose. Um, uh, and as you were saying, that that really hurt the uh, Ken Holland's bargaining power absolutely. Because yeah. I think that if Nyquist didn't have that full no movement clause, I think that Ken Holland would have at least been able to get a first round pick out of Gusev Nyquist in a potential trade. Um, just the fact that he only approved going to San Jose um, really hurt Ken Holland's bargaining power because Doug Wilson knows that Gustav Nyquist did not want to resign with the Red Wings. He turned down contract extension talks earlier yep. in the season, um, and the Red Wings didn't want to lose him in the offseason for nothing. So in a way, even though the return wasn't what it should have been for a guy like Gustav Nyquist, I do consider it a slight win for the Red Wings because at least they got something for him. And I like the conditions on that second pick because they have the second round pick guaranteed, but they also have a 2020 conditional third round pick where the conditions are if San Jose either makes the Stanley Cup final or or uh, re-signs Gustav Nyquist, the Red Wings also get a second rounder for Gustav Nyquist in the 2020 draft, which is supposed to be insanely deep if you have not heard, um, even more so than 2019. But um, yeah. But any more thoughts on uh, Gus Nyquist? Um, just other than the fact that, of course, at just reiterating the fact that he can really fit anywhere on that roster. And just to see a top nine forward group like that, to me, I, again, I've never seen something like it. Well, he's um, a top six guy, and you get, and there's no room for him in I the mean, top six, which I, is telling. I mean, again, the Sharks' third-line center is Joe Thornton. Yeah. So... Like there's, it's 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 really crazy to see that's that 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 is where the sharks are headed, and um, a lot of people have been a lot of people have texted me, and messaged me or whatever, asked me questions. Do you think the sharks are now the favorites for the Stanley Cup? And I think I, it it, it could look that way. Um, I'd put them in that elite elite group, but to call them the odds on favorite, I, I wouldn't think say. Is a yeah, stretch. I was gonna say like I, I don't want to say yes because the other teams that made moves are really really freaking good. Um, so like with Nashville and Winnipeg up there, of course, in the West, and you have Tampa Bay and uh, Toronto over on the East. Um, and like, well, I I think that the West is actually a. A tougher conference. I think that the West will actually be the tougher conference in the brutal. playoffs. It's gonna be brutal because I think because not Tampa Bay is by a far and a wide margin the best team in the NHL. They got a hundred points. Yeah, they already have a hundred points. Nikita Kucherov already has a hundred points. They just have insane depth, you know, with guys like Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, uh, Yanni Gord. You know, the list goes on. Um, excellent goaltending with by, with Andre Vasilevsky and that they just seem to light up teams every night. Um, but I don't really think that there's any other team in the East that can hold a candle to Tampa Bay. I mean, you never know what, what will happen in a seven game series. Cause if you look at, um, how the series against Washington went in the Eastern conference final last year, everyone kind of predicted Tampa Bay to roll all over Washington, but that wasn't the case. Uh, so something still could happen to Tampa Bay, but no person could out there could really say, that there is a better team in the Eastern Conference or a team that's even as close to as talented as Tampa Bay in the East, which is not true in the West. Because I think that it's a three-horse race in the West between Nashville, Winnipeg, and San Jose. Mm -hmm. And I think that all those teams are pretty close to each other skill-wise. But 
are strong in now, different areas, which will make it interesting. And I think the interesting th- other th- interesting thing to think about is the fact that the second round of the Western Conference playoffs is likely going to be Winnipeg versus Nashville, and then San Jose versus I- San Jose versus either Calgary or uh, Vegas, and <laughs> or Arizona or Arizona. Um, <laughs> Let's but, hope um, that'd be interesting. But still, think about that. Like that is yeah. something insane. Oh, it really would be something. Let's look at those standings. Let's see how close Arizona actually is to that third seed in the West. I mean, it would be incredible for the Coyotes from a business standpoint if they could actually make the playoffs this season. They looked really good on uh, Shane Doan retirement night. Oh, yeah. Against uh, Winnipeg, a very tough team. So Vegas has 69 points right now with 63 games played. Arizona has 62 games played and has 63 points. So add two. Let's say that Arizona wins their next game, so they're even with Vegas. Right. That's tonight. So let's say that Arizona adds two points and are even with Vegas in terms of games played. So 65 to 69. 65 to 69. That's only a four-point gap or two Two uh, wins. Two win gap between the two teams. That's really close. So, I mean, you could foreseeably see Arizona pass Vegas in that third spot. I mean – are the odds against them? I would say so, just because Vegas is definitely in the driver's seat in this scenario that we're talking about. But could it happen? 100% could. Arizona's getting healthier. Grobner is going to return pretty soon. Dvorak is coming back tonight. Um, I think Ronta actually skated with the team the other day, too. Mm-hmm. So perhaps Arizona could get really hot down the stretch here with a lot of guys coming back from injury and uh, put some pressure on Vegas. But we do have to admit that Vegas got a lot better with that Mark Stone deal. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. Because, I mean, Arizona didn't make any big moves at the deadline. They made a couple of paper transactions, as you pointed out on Twitter. Yep. Um, the, and For for uh, Calder Cup playoff reasons. but And then um, mostly just minor league moves outside of yeah. that. Which is okay. Arizona wasn't a team that should have bought at this year's deadline, oh, in all honesty. They shouldn't have gone. I mean, obviously, there's no reason for them to go all in. It's just like, hey, let's ride this. If we make the playoffs, great. Let's see what happens. Well, let's look even at Minnesota, uh, what it would take for them to get into that second wild card spot. Because Minnesota has one more game played again than Arizona at 66 points. And then the Coyotes have 63 points with one less game played. So they could be only, if they win tonight, they will be only one point out of the playoffs in the last wild card spot so with a, the same number of games played. So if a chance of them making the playoffs isn't really much out of the question. No, I mean, I'd put it at 40-60. Yeah, which is actually around where uh, certain we- certain like stat websites have them at, around 40, really? around 40 to 45%. So I was right uh, on the money with that. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, it's... I, mean, I could see it. Ha- I mean, I could see it potentially happening. It and depends on how Colorado, Minnesota, and Dallas and Vegas all play down the stretch. See, here's the interesting thing. Imagine, just imagine this: that they 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 don't catch on to Vegas, but they make it into the wild card spot, that second wild card spot. Assuming, let's say, Calgary retains the Pacific Division. Well, what's Winnipeg at right now? Who's first in the West? Nashville. Uh, wait, no. First in the West is Calgary. Okay, so I would play... actually prefer playing Calgary in the first round over a Nashville or a Winnipeg. I think that those two teams so, are more better built. And so, they, so this, to, for all all intents and purposes, there are two potential opponents for Arizona if they make that second that second. Actually, three because look at how tight that division race is in the Central. 
And I, Nashville or Winnipeg could finish first in the West, too. Well, true. Okay. But, yeah, so we'll yeah, say – Yeah, true. But You're right. we'll say for all intents and purposes, Calgary and San Jose, who are really on a tight race in that Pacific. Um, San Jose is the one that, that claims it. Think about Arizona versus San Jose in the first round. Calgary versus Vegas in the first round. That's an all-Pacific. That's, that's a pretty good – That'd be really cool to see. I would have loved to see, and I said this in uh, one of our preseason podcasts, uh, that I would have loved to see a Vegas-Arizona playoff series at some point. In some scenario where, let's say, Arizona uh, plays in the Pacific Division as a wild card team, and, Ve- and the seeding saves where it's at right now, and Vegas upsets Calgary or, Ed, or San Jose in their first-round series, you could see that happen. I mean, the probably a ten percent chance of that happening, if yeah, le- maybe less. That's very low. The only, very less, maybe the, low. The only other way I could see that happening is even less of a chance is if Arizona somehow climbs into that first wild card spot and they go through the central and somehow upsets the other guys. And then conference uh, final Arizona. Conference final. Conference uh, final Arizona Vegas. Oh my god, that but, would be ridiculous. Oh, Unlikely. Unli- Let's talk about more likely scenarios. And don't count St. Louis out either. They've played. They've been one of the best teams in the NHL in this back half here since the All Star break. Oh yeah. And they're they only. Went on, they went on a what eleven twelve game winning streak. Eleven. Eleven. And yeah. um, they are only four points back of Winnipeg for second in the Central. So it could have. St. Louis could finish second in the Central too. They didn't make any big moves at the deadline, uh, which. They shouldn't. Uh, they still were one of the worst teams in the league at the first half of the season. So they weren't in a situation where they should go all in. You know what I mean? Right. Um, they got Michael Delzato from Anaheim for a sixth-round pick, so that's not exactly that's, a, uh, that's uh, blockbuster. a big, that's, that's a very minor mi- minor. Which deal. is okay. That's what a team like St. Louis should be doing easily. Um, so let's see. Uh, any other teams you'd like to talk about, or um, do you want to go? We can go more on about the uh, Pacific. Yeah, I think we're we should wrap up on time because we're on a we're we're doing just a really short episode today. So, um, but let's let's do just do maybe a couple more things. Yeah, let's 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 go in depth in the Pacific since we're a Pacific Coast right. based podcast. Uh, we're southern Arizona, Arizona, the Pacific Coast, kind of. Um, but it, it's definitely economically aligned with. Southern California, so you can put it that way. Yeah, it's kind of um, West Coast, but yeah, the Pacific Division right now it's gonna be it's I mean it's gonna be a wild ride um, to see how obviously because all know, that checks with, with, with Calgary staying put on the, at the trade deadline with San Jose and their acquisition of Gus Nyquist as well as uh, you know Vegas getting Mark Stone. Obviously, as we said, um, it's gonna be hard for Vegas to catch up to get Calgary and San Jose. Even with Mark Stone, I mean, it could happen. Obviously, they, they could fall back. I guess. I mean, I mean, they have they had to count on both Calgary and San Jose losing a lot of more games and Vegas going on a. No, absolutely. I mean, but where Vegas is just such a weird animal at this point. You know, I really don't know what to think of them because they don't have all that momentum. You know, like from the October first shooting, like they had last year, which uh, really they rode, gave they, them a they, huge push throughout the season. They rode, into the playoffs. Yeah, they rode that story, and I gotta say that that was a great story to ride off of, and it gave them a lot of momentum. And I thought that was fantastic. See but the could, community come together, yeah, all that good stuff. But it only can take them so far, and 
obviously we're seeing that. Yeah, I mean, well, you got to remember, too, with trade deadline acquisitions, the way that George McPhee was talking, he actually addressed the media today on, about the Mark Stone deal. And he basically said that it's rare for you to uh, get a player via trade that is ca- that you are capable of building your team around like that at the trade mm-hmm. deadline. And that was very much so George McPhee's mind. It's very telling of the mindset in Vegas that, you know, it's time to win now with this group and we're going to build around the guys that we currently have. Um, but you got to remember, too, that sometimes guys have a hard time adjusting to a new system and a change of scenery. I mean, look at Eric Carlson at the beginning it, of this year. It took him like 30 games until he finally found his footing, and look where he is now. I uh, still think that Eric Carlson's a top five player in the world. Absolutely. I've said that for a long time. Um, top three even, I think you could argue. But um, it still took a player, even of Eric Carlson's caliber, generational defenseman, multiple Norse trophies on his resume. Take to, almost or about a third of the season. To adjust to a new system and a new coach. I mean, how well is Mark Stone going to play in Gerard Gallant's system? It's, a lot of it's contingent on that. And they didn't add as many pieces as San Jose did, and they sure as hell didn't add as many as Calgary did. Calgary added basically nothing. Um, so... Vegas is banking a lot more on their trade deadline acquisitions panning out 100%. Um, That's that's the big thing. And if Mark Stone doesn't fit in, my point is, though, is that if Mark Stone doesn't fit in, you could see that weird scenario where Arizona possibly uh, ends up being that third seed in the Pacific. Because if if the rest of the team keeps playing how they have and Mark Stone doesn't um, find his way in Vegas immediately – that's going to be pretty bad for the Golden Knights. That'd be very interesting. Uh, it could happen. Like, I mean, it, again, yeah, it, could, it very well could. And I think if you're an Arizona Coyotes fan, you should be getting at least somewhat excited. Right. The fact that this is a possibility. The fact that Arizona can be a third seed in the Pacific Division. Obviously, you're putting yourselves in a tough situation because the Pacific Division is going to be a tough road. Right. But still, you're putting yourself back into a playoff spot which they haven't yeah. been in quite a while. Since 2012. When they went to the conference finals against L.A. Yeah, um, and Shane Doan, whose number was just retired, was still on the team. Exactly. And she, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, I think we'll talk about that when we have time on Friday. Yeah. Um, but that I, I thought that was a fantastic ceremony. Yeah, it um, was. Absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, I think – Looking at it, it's gonna be it's gonna be quite the. It'll be, it'll be something. Eighty-two, eighty-five. Calgary has a game in hand right now, so it's gonna be. Uh, they're only three points apart. If Calgary loses their game, they are playing tonight, I believe, because I have yeah, Sean li- Monahan. It's live right now against New York Islanders. So who are they? What's the score? It's zero-zero uh, at the time of this recording, and San Jose is one-one against Boston at the time of this recording. Okay. Well, we'll see how that all shakes out. And then Vegas plays Dallas tonight. So we'll see how all those games turn out. All of them play yeah. tonight. And Arizona plays Florida. So lots of game, lots of Pacific Division games to keep your eye out on. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that all goes, and we'll address that at a later date for yeah, sure. We'll see how things go. Um, but I guess we'll wrap things up here. We have nothing really else to Yeah, uh, nothing really on. else to talk about. Very exciting trade deadline, obviously. Um, I always, I always love to uh, treat the t- trade deadline as a, uh, if the Sharks make a move, as a, as a great early birthday gift. 
But um, yeah, well, sometimes it's on my birthday. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I love I love the trade deadline. Um, obviously, the last couple of years for San Jose has been quite the tra- quite the years for the trade for trades. Um, last year was different, though. I think this is one of those. Uh, it is a this this is a you know rental buy in go all. Let's win this. Well, thing. they they have only one shot left with this group, though. In all honesty, the the Sharks. They... Joe Thornton is he 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 may be playing as well as he is, but he's you know he, like his career is hanging by a thread because he's getting his, his age is only going to take him so far. And who knows if they'll have the cap space to re-sign guys like Pavelski? Are they going to make a move for Eric Carlson in the offseason? Carlson's going to ma- be making six million more than he is. Before we sign off, I will say I like the whole Nyquist thing because. Um, it gives them and it gives the Sharks an option to re-sign Nyquist if Carlson decides not to re-sign with San Jose. Oh, that's that's actually really interesting. Well, as a Wings fan, selfishly, I'm hoping for the Sharks to either re-sign him or uh, make it to the Cup final because of that. I yeah. mean, those, that's the really the only uh, pick that I need to watch as a fan of a rebuilding team um, for the future. Absolutely. Well, we'll see. Well, we see what happens. Obviously, we'll see, um, we'll see what happens in the next couple of days as we go a more in-depth podcast episode. But with that said, thanks everyone for tuning into this special episode of Inside the Glass. This uh, for trade deadline or post-trade deadline day, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.